morning. Glad to see all of you this morning. Two weeks ago, we finished up our series, Famous Last Words. And last week, we, uh, of course, was Mother's Day. We had a good time talking about mothers. We're getting ready to start a new series next week. And I'm telling you, it's something I have never spoken on before. And I'm excited about it. So I hope you guys will be back next week. That's all I'm saying. I'm just dangling the, the bait out there so you guys will come back. So we're, I figured, you know, we, we like to remind the church why we exist. What is our mission statement? So I figured kind of in between the, these, these two series, we would circle back, um, you know, every so often. We like to look at what is our mission statement? Why does Bethel Community Church exist? And you just saw that on the screen. We exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. And so today I want to kind of peel that out just a little bit more and dig into what that really means for us. You know, as I was thinking through this idea of following Jesus over the last few weeks, something struck me as I pondered this topic. It, you know, one of the things that struck me is that Jesus' invitation to follow him is so much different than every other religion. The religion of Jesus' day and the religion of every other generation invites you like this. Change, and you can follow us. Change, and then you can be a part of us. And this is exactly why some of you dropped out of church for a period of time. You didn't feel like you were a good person. Maybe you didn't feel like you were a religious person. Many of you felt that if you don't act like a church person, you should not be a part of a church. You decided that if I'm ever going to be religious, then I need to change, I need to behave before I can join. And that is the message of religion. Then Jesus came along, and his message was very, very disturbing to the religious people of his day. His message flipped it on its head. Instead of change, then you can join us, it was follow me and you will change. Follow me and you will change. Get close to me, follow me over time, and you'll look in the mirror and you will say, wow, I don't recognize this person. You will change not because of discipline. You will change not because you decided to change. You will change simply because of your proximity to Jesus. Change is always a result of a relationship with our Savior. That's where change takes place. So the bottom line for us today is, am I following? Am I following Jesus? It's not, how have I changed? It's not, how far have I gotten? How consistently do I go to church? How many verses do I read in the Bible each week? It's at the bottom level. Am I following Jesus? So today we're going to talk about a narrative in the life of Jesus where this whole idea of following him gets teased out. And I love this story because in this story we find every stage, every aspect of what it means to follow Jesus. So we have four accounts of the life of Jesus in Scripture. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call those the Gospels. And what is interesting is that in all four of these books, we get a picture of the life of Christ from a little different angle. They're each writing to a different audience, 
Some were eyewitnesses. You know, we'll see, you know, Matthew that we're going to read part of today. Matthew was an eyewitness to these events. And Luke records it way after the fact, but he interviewed multiple eyewitnesses to kind of gather a more holistic view of the life of Jesus. Matthew was Jewish, and he was writing primarily to a Jewish audience. And he gives us just a brief synopsis of the story that we're going to see today, but it was lacking a lot of details. If you just read Matthew's version of this, you'd be like, man, this is so strange. We'll read it here in a second. But as we read Matthews, we're going to skip over to Luke's account because Luke really dives into and gives us the details. Luke was a doctor, so Luke really got into the details and tells us what we want to see. So let's start out by reading Matthew's account of it first. It says in Matthew 4, verse 18, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. What? What just, I mean, this is kind of crazy. You know, a guy walks up and you're working, and he says, stop your work and follow me. Okay, this, the, the, this is kind of strange. It gets, it gets better, hang on. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. And the boat was Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. End of Matthew's story. (laughs) I mean, this guy just walks up and says, follow me, and these guys decide to follow him? I mean, this just kind kind of a head scratcher here. It doesn't seem spiritual. That seems almost irresponsible. Hey, Dad, we're just going to go and follow this guy in sandals that tells us to follow him? Just seems so weird. The way Matthew records this story, it's so confusing. The good news is it isn't the whole story. This is what happened. Yes, Matthew's account is true. This is what happened, but this is at a 10,000-foot view of what happened. So Luke comes along, and Luke is writing to people like you and me. He's writing more to a Gentile audience, and he's writing to people who need just a little bit more information in the story than, bye mom, bye dad, we're going to follow this guy. And so now remember, when Luke started his gospel, he said, I thoroughly researched all of this and talked to everyone I could, and here is the rest of the story. So here's the story that took place. Let's read in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. He says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now that's another term for the Lake of Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee, synonymous terms. They record those in scripture. But here is something important. Following Jesus always begins with information. He was standing by the lake. He was teaching the, the people in the ways of God. Following Jesus always begins with listening. Real faith and real Christianity, it's built on truth. It's built on teaching, it's built on listening, and it's built on learning. If you want to have a relationship with our Savior, you must listen and you must learn. Jesus introduced the concept of faith in our Heavenly Father around this concept of information, teaching, listening, and learning. So he's standing at the edge of the water, teaching these people. They're crowding in on him more and more as he's probably you know, being pushed 
into the Sea of Galilee because they're crowding in on him. His feet are probably wet. He didn't have a stage. There's no crowd control. Let's pick up verse 2. And he saw two boats by the lake, but their fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. So let me stop there. Let me explain to you what's happening at this point in the story. What we're going to discover in a minute is that guys would fish all night long, the fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. They would pull up their fish, and if they have any fish, they would stretch out their, 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 their nets on a wooden post, and they would begin to clean their nets. They would proceed to get you know, all of the sunglasses and beer cans out of their nets after you know, fishing all night on the Sea of Galilee. And then they would begin to clean their nets and let them dry. As they would let them dry, they would roll up their nets, they would take them home, store them during the day, and then they would take the whole process again when they would go out fishing again the next night. So here, these guys over here working on their nets, they're pulling all of the seaweed out of their nets, getting all the junk out of their nets, as they're listening to Jesus teach. So you have these fishermen off in the background hearing Jesus teach, and Jesus saw that their boats were sitting there, so he got into one of their boats, verse 3. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put it out a little from the land. Now this is important. He said, hey Peter, could I inconvenience you just a minute and borrow your boat? Now we don't know if Peter tied a rope to the boat or he just pushed it out a little ways or if Peter got in the boat with Jesus, but we know that Peter's listening. We know that he's listening, and, and Jesus understands that as he gets out on the water, his voice is going to carry and bounce off the water so the crowds could hear him project his voice um, in a better way. So he gets in the boat, and it says, the scripture says, and he sat down and taught people from the boat. Again, faith comes by listening. It comes from hearing. Faith is built around content and information. Getting your questions answered, that is where it all begins. So Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, John, they have all been here listening the entire time as Jesus is standing on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Verse 4, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon. Now, he could have said anything. He could have said, did you like that sermon that I just preached? He could have said many things. Well then, leave your family and follow me. But Jesus doesn't ask them to leave everything and follow him. Jesus says this instead. Put out into the deep and let, your nets, let down your nets for a catch. Now, this is important. Because he was asking Peter to do something he had done a thousand times. Something that Peter had done probably his entire life. Multiple nights a week his entire life. He's asking him to put down the nets. But he's asking him to do it in a way that he had never done before. And here's the problem with this. Peter's probably thinking, Jesus, I don't know if you're paying attention, but I was just out fishing last night. And I didn't catch a whole lot. I'm a little discouraged today. I'm here cleaning out my nets because I'm kind of tired. I was up all night. I want to go home. I want to go to bed. You know, asking him to put down his nets after he's cleaned them and dried them is kind of like 
you know, taking the horse back out after you've, you know, already to go horseback riding after you've already groomed the horse and put the saddle away. If you've ever had a horse, you know all the work that goes into that. Now, Simon Peter is respectful because Jesus is a rabbi. And so Simon answers diplomatically to Jesus here, verse 5. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down my nets. He's essentially saying, I'm tired, Jesus. The fish aren't biting. The fish are in a different part of the lake. But if you say so, I'll do it. If you say so, I'll do it. Now you have Jesus asking Peter to go fishing when you're not supposed to go fishing. All the fishermen on the lake know you go fishing at night on the Sea of Galilee. That's when you catch the fish. When the fish come up, when it's cooler in the evening, that's when you throw your nets out and you can bring the fish in. But you said so, Jesus. I'll do it a different way. I'll, I'll, I'll do it a different way. Jesus is saying, I want you to do something you have done a thousand times, but I want you to do it differently, and I want you to do it my way. I'm not asking you to leave your family business. I'm just asking you to do something different one time, differently than what you've ever done before. Now, we don't know what Peter was thinking. He could have been thinking clearly, you carpenter, you know nothing about fishing. I'm sure that thought probably went through his head. Jesus, I don't know if you've noticed but you have gathered a crowd, and when the crowd sees me go fishing in the middle of the day, they're going to think, both of us, that we're both crazy. I don't, know, I don't know if all these thoughts are going through his head. Now, do you know what was at stake in this decision process? What was at stake was whether or not Peter thought he could trust Jesus, which leads us to this next part, which is awesome. Imagine what hung in the balance on Peter's decision to take Jesus fishing. Just imagine all of the implications of what hung in the balance, not only for Peter's life, but for the future of the early church that hung in the balance with this one decision. The reason we know who Peter is is because in that moment, he decided, okay, I'm going to trust Jesus and take this next step. I'm going to give this guy just this one chance. And for some of you, that's exactly where you are today. There's that internal nudge. There's that elbow to the ribs, that conscious that God is nudging, nudging, and like Peter, you have no idea what hangs in the balance. The Holy Spirit has been nudging you week after week after week to make that decision to follow Christ. Now imagine if Jesus could have dropped the screen and shown Peter how his life would change for eternity if he made this decision just to drop the nets one more time. Imagine if Jesus would have done that. You see, Peter is a lot like you and me. He had no idea what future hung in the balance. For his life. He was asked to do something he'd done a thousand times, but to do it in a way that he had done, never had, that he had never done before, simply because Jesus said, will you do it? Verse 6. And when they had done this, 
He didn't say when they believed, not when they had thought, not when they had intended, not when they had prayed, because doing is what makes the difference. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats. So they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, what do you think he began to do? Did he say, hey, Dad, look over here. We don't have to work for another month. We've got so much fish. Go get the refrigerator truck so we can get all the fish in the refrigerator truck and get them to the market. You know, the natural tendency is to get all excited about the fish. That's the human tendency. Verse 8, But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, This is, mo- this is amazing because at this moment, it's no longer about the fish. It's no longer about the fishing. He said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now this is important, because in that moment, Peter recognized for the first time who Jesus truly was. And in that moment, he recognized who he was, and this was the beginning of Peter's relationship with Jesus at this point. He had been shoulder to shoulder, eyeball to eyeball, with the Savior of the world for several hours. Now, Jesus was known all throughout Galilee, so it's possible that Peter had bumped into and heard the teachings of Jesus prior to this encounter. But it was not until he took this step, this practical step of faith, that his eyes were opened. And he began to experience something that he had never experienced before. And that was, he was in the presence of his Lord and Savior. Verse 9, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. I'm sure at this point, Peter, James, and John are like, what? What are you talking about catching men? What, what did you say? Verse 14, or verse 11, I'm sorry. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now you see how Luke fills in the gaps for us there, where Matthew left those, those, those are some important details. Matthew, what were you thinking? Why didn't you give us those, those details? You know, seeing some kind of miracle, seeing a job that you have done every day of your life, seeing something miraculous, the change prompts you to follow him. You know, you and I would have followed him too. And it would have been not because he called you and he said, leave everything, but it's because of the change that the proximity to the Savior brought about in your life, that desire to follow him just becomes so overwhelming. 
that you want to follow him. Now, I love this narrative that Luke gives for us because I see these four stages of following Christ that I think all of us are in one of these four stages of following Christ that we're going to peel back and look at for just our final few minutes here today. The first stage is the sit and listen stage. And the very fact that you are even sitting here and listening means that you have taken at least this first step in following Jesus. Because this first stage always begins with the gathering of information. Following Jesus always begins with content. Following Jesus always begins with becoming informed about who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Christianity is an informed faith. It is not just a blind faith. We're not asking anyone to blindly follow. We have an informed faith, and we are informed through the word of God about who God is and who his son Jesus is. So some of you, simply by being here today, and you're, you're in this sit and listen stage, and one of the best things you can do is to begin your journey of following Jesus by continuing to sit and listen. Dig into God's word. Ask questions. I welcome questions. I want to hear the questions you have about Jesus, about his word. I love to sit and chat with you about that. Come back next week as we continue and week after week as we continue to peel open God's word and hear what God's word has to say. So this is the first stage that I would say by the very fact of you being here today that everyone here is in this first stage, sit and listen stage. The next stage is the loan and boat stage. And this is the stage where we ask, we see Peter or Jesus asking Peter if he can use his boat. He said, hey, Peter, can I loan your boat? It's getting kind of crowded here on the shore. I need to get out into the water a little bit. For some of you, do you know what this is? You hear me week after week preach about the life, death, resurrection of Jesus and how we are all sinners in need of a Savior. And you've sat and you've listened and you've heard and the Spirit has been nudging on your heart for weeks, months, and maybe years. And this is a stage that some of you need to the loan and boat stage and say, God, I want to follow you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. You've been sitting and listening, and it's time for you to take that next step of making the decision to follow Christ. I know there's some of you in here today that that's the stage that you're in, and I'm praying every day for you. Third stage is the take him fishing stage. And this is where it gets real exciting because your heavenly father wants you to do something you have done maybe a thousand times in your life, but he's asking you to do something a little differently. It could have something to do with your relationships, your profession, your money, something relationally. Maybe that God is asking you to look at and do differently. And here's how you know what it is. You've been coming for a while and listening. You've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And every once in a while, when you're praying, there's something inside of you saying, I really need to. I really need to begin. 
I really need to stop. I really need to start. And God is, the Spirit is working, convicting your heart to take this next step in the life of your Christian walk. This is a change you need to make, and you have no idea what hangs in the balance with your decision to make that one change. You have no idea, but you have listened and you've learned enough. You've had enough of your questions answered to know that this decision to change a relationship, this decision to conduct business differently, this decision to be more generous, this decision to, is at the epicenter of what God wants to do in your life, and he's beckoning you to take him fishing. And you have no idea what that decision, what hangs in the balance with that decision I don't have to tell you what it is because you already know and you're scared and you have been saying no, no, no. But that's the next stage that God wants in your walk with him. And the last stage that we see, this is the leave your nets stage. This is some of us who have listened, who have obeyed God and are amazed at what has happened. We've made that decision that big decision that we, we didn't know what hung in the balance at the time, and we made that decision to step forward, and we see God change our lives, change our families. Our lives are different because we made that decision. And now God's asking you to take another step. You've had enough of these times of watching God work and come through for you time and time again, and it's time for you to say, God, I want to surrender it all to you. Whatever you want. I've been messing around by telling God he can have this area of my life, but not this area. You can have this, but not that. Some of you are at the point where you just have to stop playing the silly games and say, God, I want you to be Lord of it all. All of my life. Everything. My heart is completely open to whatever you want, however I need to change, wherever I need to step out. Everything I own, my future, my relationships, my finances, God, I want you in every area of my life. I want you to get honor and glory because that's why I was created, was to bring God honor and glory. Now, the point of this is not to grade yourself. That's not it. The issue is, are you willing to take that next step? Because here's the deal. You have no idea what hangs in the balance in your decision. But it is in the balance of your decision that determines how real God is to you. How alive your faith becomes. It is in the doing. It is in the doing. I'm going to say it one more time, like Peter making that decision to go out with his nets. It is in the doing that makes the difference of your experience with your Heavenly Father. So whatever the next stage is for you, whatever the Holy Spirit is convicting in your heart this morning, take that next step. I would like for you if you have your communication card that you received in, in your hand this morning, or maybe you're on the YouVersion Bible app, either one, 
If you feel comfortable enough, you might say, Pastor Robert, I want to take that next step. Maybe it's you want to become a follower of Christ. Maybe you've heard me speak and you want to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Write that on the card. Maybe it's, I want to take the next step in my life in fill in the blank. I would love to read those and pray over those this next week. You don't want to spend the rest of your life wondering what God might have done had you said yes. Had you said yes. Whatever your next step is, take it. If you make that decision, you'll be glad you did. And if you don't, you'll wish you had. And even in the wishing you had, you'll never know what God could have done in you and through you. What God could have done in your family and through your family. So take that step. Let's pray.